There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Friends, welcome. Over the next three weeks, I'll be finishing the research on a wealth of true crime cases from Murder Mile that you've never heard before. Ooh. If you're new, this is not a regular episode. This is New Blue. Last time, I interviewed my old pal Paul, alias Police Constable Arsenal Guinness, about the day-to-day aspects of being a Bobby on the beat. This time, I had the pleasure of interviewing Sally and John Midgley, two retired police detectives and a lawyer, who investigated many serious crimes during their time at CID, and now they reinvestigate cases in their own podcast, True Crime Investigators UK. As before, this isn't a series about exciting tales where cops bust crime. This is about the nitty-gritty, the everyday details of being a British police detective. Split into three episodes, the day-to-day, police interviews and crime scenes. In this part, part one, we will dive into what makes a good detective, the recruitment process, the workload, social life, and whether you can ever truly switch off from being a detective in your everyday life. If you want to know more about the murder cases they've worked on, check out their podcast, True Crime Investigators UK. There's a link in the show notes. Like most podcasts, we recorded this remotely, so the sound isn't perfect. Um, We've Uh, we've missed out once. Oh, yeah, I mean... we We did a recording... And it hadn't interviewed. It hadn't recorded. Oh, and it was an hour, well, a good hour's worth. And I had to get the swear box out. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. But we get there. We'll talk if, all day. Well, well, John will talk all day. If if talking was an Olympic sport, John's a gold medalist. <laughs> Initially, I was going to record the episodes with John and Sally individually, but as you can hear, John and Sally are great fun. So it made sense not to. (laughs) Oh, great. We contradict each Each other. (laughs) Brilliant. In in that case, that makes it easier. Right. So let me introduce you to John and Sally. Well, my name is John Midgley. Uh, I was a police officer for 30 years in the East Midlands area. I joined in 1977 and I retired in 2007, so 15 years ago now. We describe ourselves as like a documentary type podcast. We actually recreate our police careers, if you like. We go out, we go to the scenes of crime, we go and find witnesses, people who are still alive and, you know, can remember the events. And then we've now gained quite a 
big circle of professional people like forensic psychiatrists, fingerprint experts, DNA experts. And of course, we try and bring them in at the appropriate times to add a professional opinion on what's happened and why it happened. So from the, the gatehouse, now the cafe, yeah. how far is it approximately to where Joan was found? I, I, I think it was about a mile. So she'd walked a long Three way away. Mile. Yeah, she had walked. And then she'd left the track and gone up into where she we're got, going got, to. Gone, gone and I'm Sally. I'm the wife that John keeps referring to. Um, <laughs> and I was a police officer for 12 years. From there, I completed the bar vocational course and was called to the bar as a barrister and then I was approached by somebody from the Crown Prosecution Service and asked to go and do crime so I went back to my roots. Obviously when uh, Sally says I did crime she means as a lawyer not as a criminal. At least that's what I hope she means. Before becoming a police detective where do you start and what makes a good detective? As a police officer you basically have a two-year probationary period and that means that you're you're a uniform bobby and you do general police work members of the public will see the police you know we, we can see it a lot more now on tv there's a lot more coverage obviously on the internet and all the different media sources you've got but then of course you know, there were Z cars on the telly and things like that. Oh, and, showing your showing age. age. And of course, <laughs> you, you know, you saw the uniform bobbies on the street or driving panda cars as they did. So when you joined, you know, uh, I thought, well, I like probably this. Had an idea. So I got involved and, and the, then you didn't have interviews for jobs like we have today. You did your work and if you showed an aptitude for detecting crime... Ability to talk to people—that's that's the backbone of the police work, really. Ah. And of course, you know, to talk to people to get because all, all the information has to be obtained. And if you can talk to people and and they get on with you and you can probe the questions and get the information, be it a witness or a suspect, uh, you know, it's something you like any job. It's something you you either take to or or you don't. It's a twenty-four-seven job, to be honest. And and that's the way it was viewed. You you you, you worked mainly a, a day shift because uh, most of the detective work initially is people who've been arrested during the night or by uniformed officers. You know they've been mm-hmm. caught burgling houses, factories. They've, there's been a big fight or a robbery or a murder, depending on what it is. They're, they they they're, they're in the cells when you go to work. So the main initial day shift would deal with those matters. There was a time when um, John was in CID and I was in uniform and we used to work opposite shifts. Um, oh, wow. So if I if I was on an early or a day shift, sort of 6am, 2pm, 8am, 4pm, that kind of thing, John would be on a late shift. So he would be working um, 2.10 late or four midnight or five one so we worked opposite each other and we used to have one day off a month oh and it it was a thursday i can always remember (laughs) it was a thursday and and the only reason that i knew that john had been in and out the house was when i got home um there was nothing in the fridge and 
what what we used to do when we were both in CID, what I used to do at night, and to a certain extent, I still do it now because it's it's a habit. I put our clothes out for the following day. Oh wow! So that if you are if if we were called out, if one of us were called out, you could just grab your stack of clothes, so you weren't disturbing the other one. And there there were times when you know, sort of two, three o'clock in the morning and the phone would ring and sort of quite blurry-eyed, I'd answer the phone and oh, no. they, they, they would say, uh, can I speak to DC Midgley? And of course, we were both DC Midgley. So I, oh, would, no. say, I would say, <laughs> which one? And if they said John, I was like, yes, yes, it's, <laughs> it's for you. It's not for me. Take your clothes and clear off and, and I'll go back to sleep. So... It, it was just a way of life. Sort of, you went on holiday. Uh, uh, you know, it was sort of accepted that you're on holiday. However, we have been recalled from holiday. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and that was for court cases mainly, which is another issue with police work. That was obviously. when when we went to the Isle of Wight, wasn't it? It was. I can imagine. Can, can you choose between assignments? When, like, a, a case comes in, can you go, I don't want to do that one? Um... Yes, no. you, well, I was going to say yeah. yes, and you said no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we do contradict each other quite a lot. The, the uh, reason I was saying yes, obviously, if it was somebody you knew or or there was a, a conflict of interest, I suppose, yeah. is, is what would the modern term, you would say, well, you know, am I the right person for this? Uh, but generally speaking, you all just mucked in together. How did detectives get assigned to cases? You know, everything that the police, uniform police and everybody else is all on that radio system. So you'd have that on your desk and you'd be listening to what's happening. And if you picked up that there was um, something of interest for the CRD department, you very often go out and arrive when the uniform uh, Um. arrived. So so you're not actually waiting for it to come in. You're actually kind of keeping your ears out and thinking, that's ours. Yes, oh yes. Uh, You know, there'll be some times when if you're interviewing in the cells and and whatever, you don't have a radio on, of course. So, But uh, then, of course, if the radio operators... Again, you used to have like a a, a local radio uh, room, didn't you, in the police station. And, of course, they knew... We knew everybody. They knew us. They were civilian staff. And they think, hmm... That's interesting. I bet the CID want to know about that. So they'd ring your office or they'd give you a shout on the radio and say, John, you know, this has just come in. Uh, is it? Are you interested? Are you free? Can you attend? And if you could, you did. Uh, and, and if you couldn't, you'd say, well, no, I'm tied up with this, but I'll catch up with it later. The early turn detectives used to, you know, if people had been arrested in the night and lodged in the cells and they'd leave a pracy, as we used to call it, saying what the circumstances of the arrest, you know, they were found in somebody's house coming out with a bag full of their belongings. They burgled the house, so they were arrested and locked up. You'd pick that job up in the morning, so you get work that way. It was it was called mopping up. Mopping up, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you were never unemployed because there was always something going on. And, and you know, we've talked about being on call in the long hours, and we all, there's a certain, we used to say that there's, there's in the stores, the main stores of... You know your headquarters for each force. There isn't a cupboard full of bobbies waiting to be activated to turn out. What you got was what you got, and no matter what it was, you had to deal with it. 
I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, like a, a, a regular job, I hate to use that phrase, but regular job, you kind of, you know what you need to do, whereas because policing is so organic, it kind of happens. Mm. How do you balance out all the jobs that you have? Because I guess when one comes in, another comes in, in on top. Very much so, and, and regularly does. And, you know, any anybody who's listening to this who's a serving police officer or retired, they'll be all saying, yeah, that happens to me. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it, it's replicated throughout the country. We all operated, although separate forces, and, and as we've said, basically it, it operated the same. The big cities had major incident teams, so they were dedicated to, to do that. Uh, but the certainly the provincial forces didn't have that staff uh, at those days, so you just dealt with everything. Do you know when you're involved in a case and you're, say, you're, you're part of a department, um, can, do the other detectives have access to your files, or are they your files, your case? Um, no. The, the, everybody, uh, I'm going, you know, again, back in time, yeah. but uh, we actually used paper in those days what <laughs> paper and a pen and uh, wow and of course all all your paperwork was was on your desk you had a, like a, a stack of baskets when you ever see any old photos of, of police stations whatever <laughs> there's, there's, and certainly in CID offices you had a stack of uh, uh baskets and and those all your paperwork was there so you know if you if you were ill or you know god forbid <laughs> you know you were you you'd been carted off somewhere you know had an accident or whatever whoever was in charge could go to your desk and look at what you've got and what needed doing and and that's the way it worked so we when and of course we all knew in the office generally what everybody was doing and so you knew what what they were up to but uh, is it is there like a daily meeting where everyone discusses what their cases are on yeah i mean different uh, bigger police stations, you know, where there's a lot happening, say in a city centre, you know, they would have like a, a daily briefing or something like mm. that, wouldn't they, Sally? You were in, in the city. Uh, but in where I worked, of course, you, you just sort of, it was just general gossip. And of course, you were working so long hours that you knew roughly what it everybody wasn't was gossip. doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, it was... Uh, it was a general chat. chat. And, and, of course, when you've got major crime, you do have a full... When you day one and, and it's, you know, you've got a murder or, or something really serious, you, you meet and, and, like you see on the, on the TV, you have a briefing by the senior officer who tells you what it's all about and what he wants you to do. I'm guessing with provincial policing as well, a lot of the same faces crop up again and again. Mm. <laughs> you were quick on that. Mm, then. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure, uh, and Sally could, if we named certain families and yeah. names now, it, their family, uh, their, themselves or their offspring will no doubt be still there <laughs> and doing well, the same well, thing. Well, we worked when... When we were both on CID, we worked in the same office, didn't we? The same CID oh, wow. office. Yeah, that's a different issue um, because you are a different person at home than you are at work. So, um, and it was only for a very short time, and then I I moved on. Um, I moved on to the city, didn't I? And you you stayed um, in the sticks. Did, did you did you have to call each other like detective? You couldn't call each other the names you'd call each other at home well yeah i mean it's, <laughs> it was uh you know it, 
it was we all knew each other even like the the bosses you know you you would you get to know they were, they were your work colleagues and also yeah. um your friends so you it was sort of everybody generally called everybody by the christian name yeah i mean relationships weren't encouraged um they weren't frowned upon as as such but but they weren't encouraged but the fact was that john and i met when we weren't at work it it, it was um it was over a fight in a car park um (laughs) and uh but that's a different story it wasn't between (laughs) ourselves no we met again in the same nightclub uh and I've, that was 1986, and I've not been able to get rid of him since. <laughs> oh! But the argument was all settled, and it oh, was, the argument was all it settled. Was, it was nobody it, was. It was. Uh, it, was, just, it, was uh, just, it was just one of those things. Because policemen are human, and yes. th- they have the same issues as everybody else. Uh, and just because you don't make you immune from anything, and you know, we've seen a lot of bad things policemen have done on the news fairly recently but uh, you know it, it, they're human and they have everybody who's you know in yourself and many others will relate to what happens in real life and it happens to the police as well can you remain a policeman if you've been arrested for something generally speaking if if you've been arrested and you know there's no evidence or you've been released or you know i would think clearly they're not very pleased, but if you're convicted of offences and be it internal discipline or a criminal offence, you know, generally the rule of thumb is that you'd go, wouldn't you? And uh, that's happened in our time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, again, the modern age is sort of uh, different, isn't it now? You know, you've got uh, people... You used to be suspended, didn't you? Yeah. In uh, in our day. Yeah. Um Back in the day, if if you were arrested or being investigated for something, you would certainly not be at work. You would be um, you would be suspended from duty, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And of course, the departments that deal with the internal discipline, you you're investigators like anybody else, and you don't want to be on the wrong end of a investigation. So uh, you know, people think it's you know your buddies, and you it, it, it's not because you're always open to scrutiny later on you know whoever's investigated within the force you know you've got to it's all recorded all the state you know like any other criminal investigation exactly the same so uh, there's no no favors done no when you're not working can you ever switch off i, I only ask this because a mate of mine who's a copper and every time we're in a pub he always sees and hears things and i think what's he looking at and he's always <laughs> There's always a crime that he's looking at, or a potential crime. Can can you actually switch off? You never do. We always see things, and you know we don't take part in minor things. But we've we've been out and caught burglars, haven't we, Sally? Yeah. Oh, wow. can, can you remember? <laughs> we we went. It was it was the end of November one year, and we were just going to go and do a bit of Christmas shopping at a at a garden centre. And we drove into the car park and it was raining and all the cars were parked near to where the entrance was. And then there was one car parked right in the opposite direction, right up at the top of the car park with a couple of guys in it. And as we drove into the car park, we both went, hello, this is, uh, this is, this is not looking good. 
Your spidey and, senses were tingling. And John and John just said, they're up to no good. Why are they sat completely at the other other side of the car park? And they had the obligatory baseball caps on. It was completely wrong, wasn't it? Yeah. They were, they were trying not to be there and thinking they were, you know, parking out there. And he just immediately drew their attention to, to them. If they'd have been parked with the other cars, you ah. would never have noticed them. And I thought they were going to rob the uh, the premises, weren't they? The, 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 shop. the garden centre. Um, and so John and I were bobbed down in these trees in the pouring rain, <laughs> watching watching this watching this car with and, binoculars. Uh, and John gets on the phone. Um, we had mobile phones. Then. We, we did have mobile <laughs> phones then. So John get, gets on the phone uh, to the local police and sort of said, you know, we're watching this car. We think they're up to no good. As we got off the phone and we were waiting for the police to come, two other guys came walking across the car park with very large holdalls and, and they lifted the boot of the car up and they put these holdalls in the boot of the car and it was obvious that they were rummaging through whatever they'd got in the holdalls. And then they started to drive off. And I went down to the road just to see them go past to see which direction they went in. But it was kind of the two of us. And was there four or five four of or five. them? We weren't going to uh, uh, tackle there's, them. There's no way we're, we were going to... We were going to tackle them. No squealing of tyres as you chased down the road. No, they they drove out quite quietly and went down the road. And as a result of our phone call, they were stopped. And they were found with all the booty from this burglary. Yeah, and they burgled a house round the back of the garden centre. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, I, I mean, that's just one of many. We, and even now, we still, if anything we see, we, we always ring it in. And you know, John has been known to roll round the uh, round the road with various people, yeah, um, <laughs> trying to stop them doing various things. And I do remember one time when when you caught that guy that was in the field next door to us. John had gone out of sight. I'd I'd rung the police, and this guy was fighting with John. And then they'd both gone out of sight, which obviously I was worried about. And then John appears back at the door when I'm still on the phone to the police and he's got this guy's jumper in his hand <laughs> and and he just it just came staggering in, he was puffing and blowing and he and he went, I've got to get myself fit. And I said <laughs> I said, You're joking, John. He's he was half your age and twice your size. I don't think it's anything to do with your fitness. I think it he was just a young man. Uh, and a very big young man, and he he got the better of you, but he did go running through our village with uh, bare chested because John had got his <laughs> top half of his clothing. So good uh, work. And, and they burgled the house up the village. Um, so so yes, but we we uh, we still get involved, but uh, not not as much as we that's, do. That's only. That's only the two of the things that we can mention. I mean, oh my lord, we could do we could do a, a whole nope. a whole morning on on jobs that we've been involved in when we haven't been at work. But <laughs> I, I I guess are you always a copper then? Having gone through all the training, you're like it's in it's part of who you are now. I think yes, that's right. I think it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we you know all our friends and people 
you know, we know what we did and we don't actively, we, professionally, of course, we're finished. But uh, if we've got something, and especially if it's Don't say we're finished. No, I mean, we haven't got the, we haven't got the authority anymore, have we? No. We're, we're a, gen, a, a normal citizen in the street with the same powers of arrest as a citizen in the street. We haven't got police powers anymore. So you've got to be a bit careful, but we generally try and just bring it in, don't we? I don't? would still say we have that now. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. years ago, they used to call it Copper's Nows. And and I can remember very recently, we went up to Manchester and we were we were just walking in, in the street and there was two guys that came behind us. And as as we were walking along, John was chattering away. And and I just said, I just said to him, I don't feel very comfortable. I really don't feel very comfortable. These guys were just too close. So I was hanging onto my handbag and we just veered off and these guys went in the opposite direction. But it's it's that kind of feeling. I'm really not happy with who's around me. And if and because I can say to John, I'm not happy, he knows what to do. He knows, you know, to go in the opposite direction or Well, we we both realised that you first and then me that they were either going to steal your handbag or you know try and dip in your handbag or or whatever and when they realized that we'd seen them they went quickly another way yeah so, just glare at people yeah, just get, just up, have high eye contact with them they're obviously up to, to it yeah. do, do you think that being a police action has actually made you live a safer life or are you more kind of uh critical and thinking that there's crime everywhere does that make sense yeah i, I I think we've, we see things that general public probably wouldn't see, like Tally's just explained. And we do see these things, don't we? And we do keep out of certain areas, uh, because we know what, what goes on down in those areas. So you um, keep, keep um, out the way. And um, when we are anywhere, we always sit facing the door. Yeah. That's weird. My 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 friend Paul, who's a copper, says he always goes into a pub and checks sight lines, and yeah. and he's he's back. Yeah, that's weird. Is that yeah. is that police training, or is that does that slowly think, become a natural thing? I think a natural. I think that becomes a natural it? thing. And you know, we, we through work, you know, when we were working, you, you deal with all sorts of crimes, as 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 we've said, and you know, you think. Just these poor folks minding their own business, and then you know this has happened to them, and they probably could have took avoiding action sometimes, but didn't realise what was happening. Whereas we would twig that now, you know, over the years you've you've spoke to so many people who've been robbed or burgled or, yeah. or whatever that you you sort of get behaviour. In fact, on, only last week we were talking to a lady in a a shop. A clothes shop that we went into, mm. and she was she was um, talking away, and um, she was saying how she used to do um, car boot sales, and she said uh, she said, "Oh, this lady came came talking to me about some of the items that were on her stall, and she was saying, oh, 'Oh, I'll give you a fiver for it,' and she said, I got a ten pound on it.'" And she said, I was sort of saying, no, that's, you know, that's, that's too cheap. I've put a tenner on it and I think that's a good price for it. And she said, and do you know what had happened? And both of us said, somebody else 
who was with the woman was nicking the other stuff off his stall. And she went, she went, yeah. She said, my car was open and my bag was in it with my phone, my wallet, uh, you know, my purse and all these other things in my car. And she said, because she said, because I was chatting to this woman and, and that's one of those things where if, if that had have happened to us, one of us, w- I mean, we, we would never have left the car undone, but, no. um, you know, you just know the distraction technique. Mm. And of course, when we said, Oh, don't tell us that other things off your stall were been stolen. And she said, No, it was my car. It was open. Oh and it was almost God. like, How did you know that? How, how did you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just because we're just too suspicious. But yeah, I think, I think people are. Still quite cautious around us. Yeah, and if we meet people, could be wherever on holiday or wherever we are, who don't know us, and you get chatting and say, "What? Oh, we're policemen," and you can see the eyes wide and thinking, "Hmm." <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, there was a story I was going to tell you, but now I'm not. <laughs> I'm guessing as long as they're not uh, at a garden centre doing a burglary, they're okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't ever burglar garden centre. Yeah, don't ever park your car away from the other cars. Very wise. Always look behind you and see who who's in the car behind. <laughs> yeah, and always face the door. So there you have it, the day-to-day details of being a British police detective. Thank you so much to Sally and John from True Crime Investigators UK. Join me in the next two episodes where we shall be discussing the nitty-gritty of police interviews and crime scenes. But before that, as in every episode of Murder Mile, here's Extra Mile. 
If you go into the show notes, of course, there will be a link to uh, John and Sally's podcast, which is True Crime Investigators UK. Uh, and on their website, they have loads of things like uh, photos and notes, all concerning all the cases that they're involved in. So uh, click on the link in the show notes. And also thought as a nice treat, I'd uh, introduce you to a little clip from their show. They, they're a really, really interesting show. It's uh, As mentioned, it's True Crime Investigators UK. Uh, they dive into kind of some of the cases that they've worked in in their career as uh, as detectives. So I thought it'd be nice for you to kind of hear a little piece. So here you go. And just come in here. I don't know what I expected, <clears throat> but it's far more isolated far more rural than i anticipated it would be and and when you look up there and you see that tree and you see box cops and that's where it and it's a lovely place it's a it's a beautiful place you know today it's a it's a winter's day but it's a nice day the sun's shining and and this is where it all ended for it what, what strikes me where we stood is that i think thomas stillwell in some records we've read, mentions being at that tower, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He could see some distance if anybody else was was on foot coming into the valley, and if the coast was clear, so to speak, yeah. that could be very well when he when he he came down and and spoke to Joan or whatever he was intending doing. Up there is a brilliant vantage point, it is. isn't it? Yeah, and you know if you got the inclination as Stillwell had. You could easily stalk and intercept anybody you wished. It's what I would call a good hunting ground. Um, if you're new to uh, Extra Mile, if you're new to Extra Mile, what is going on? If you're new to Murder Mile, uh, this is Extra Mile, the unscripted, unedited bit. Uh, this is really weird for me because normally I record Extra Mile. Um, having just done the record but obviously that I, I recorded this with john and sally a couple of weeks ago so uh, and i've just finished editing it so now now i'm adding an extra mile it just feels really weird anyway uh w- normally i dive into some extra details about a case but not in this case because well, everything was in the episode so i'll do some quiz questions uh have a little bit of a waffle then we'll do some answers so just six quiz questions today so uh Answers very shortly. Here we go. How many years' experience do senior officers like constables uh, need to have before joining CID? Well, how many years is preferable? Question two. What 1950s police TV show did John mention? Question three. I called it Murder Squad, but what was it properly called? Well done, Michael. That was a good question there, but badly written. Question four. Uh, how did Sally know that John was in the house? Uh, question five. Uh, what day off did John and Sally often say that they get or got? And question six. Uh, where were they on holiday when they were co- were recalled for a court case? There we go. There we go. So answers to those very shortly. What's going on here? Not very much. I just moved the boat today. Uh, moved it near I, I had the old mattress, the old original mattress in the boat that's been here in the nine years that I've been here, um, which I never really liked because it was someone else's. It was all old and horrible and it had all kind of the copper 
the the white not copper the springs on the inside that were digging into my back so i got a new mattress but this is the problem getting rid of stuff when you're on a boat so i had to wait until i was passing a recycling center that was just near enough to the boat so uh yeah put it on my back i was it wasn't as heavy as i thought i managed to wheel it over there got it there by uh, opening hours i'd already pre-checked with the uh recycling guys and said do you accept mattresses yes do you accept old mattresses yes does that include the old coil mattresses yes do i have to have a car to turn up here no got to check these things the amount of times i've been caught out going into a recycling place like a couple of years ago i went in with some i, I turned up i checked in advance i said do you accept old oil because obviously engines on boats you've got to get rid of oil properly and they went yep and i turned up on the day having having lugged a couple of gallons of oil and i turned up there and said okay uh, where do i put my oil and they went oh you need to be in a car i'm like what They're like you need to drive in here and i was like but the the bit where I dropped the oil is like ten feet away, and they went, "No, you need to have you need to cut, turn up by car." So like, you bastards! So I went outside, spoke to someone who was queuing up to get in, told them the problem, and I sat in their car, and they drove me ten feet. <laughs> so there we go, there we go. Uh, what else is going on? Going to go off on a walk in a bit. I've just moved. It was really annoying. I, I, ne my next door neighbour has a disabled dog. Really cute. It's only got two legs, but it's got got one of those kind of uh, uh, wheelie walkers. It's oh, it's really cute. The dog's really sweet as well, and just kind of trundles along the towpath. Absolutely loves itself. Um, what else is good? This is only going to be a short extra mile for this one. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, I didn't attend CrimeCon this year, but I'm, I turned up on Friday to meet some of the podcasters who were there because I was local. Uh, God, very drunk, very drunk. I did say to everyone I was going to leave by half past ten because I needed to get my tube home. Otherwise, I'd be screwed because I was in the middle of nowhere. Missed my last tube home. And then found out that the uh, <laughs> then the, the next tube out and train wasn't till half three. So I went boozing with uh, oh, some of the guys from uh, Gen Y and Bob from... Uh, uh, Twisted Britain. We got very drunk. We ended up in a very, very uh, ch cheesy nightclub, dancing to some really hideous music, but very drunk. And then I, I made it home for about half a seven, and I thought to myself, do you know what? What's the point in going to bed? What really is the point in going to bed? I might as well just stay awake. So I spent the whole day trying to stay awake. And then when it got to nine o'clock bedtime, I couldn't sleep because I was overtired. Oh, dear Lord. Dear Lord. Anyway, uh, coming soon, myself and Mike from Dark Poutine are doing a meet and greet in London. Dates TBC, I will let you know, it'll be a Friday or a Saturday, end of July. Uh, dates TBC, so I'm, tomorrow I'm going to try and work out a venue. Uh, but as soon as I uh, can confirm everything, I'll post it on social media or on a version of one of these. So that's all good. Um just wanted to say a thank you to uh, new Patreon supporters who are Christine Webster and Mark Collins. Thank you both. I hope you're all enjoying all the goodies that are on there, all the all the exciting stuff. Oh, very good. Uh, and thank you for supporting the show. Uh, uh, let's do the answers to the quiz questions. Uh, question number one: How many years' experience did John say that uh, senior ex? senior officers like con constables to have before joining cid see i read it better that time how many years experience do senior officers like constables to have before joining cid 
It was five years. Question number two. What 1950s police TV show did John mention? It was Zed Cars. Question number three. I called it Murder Squad, but what is it properly called? Uh, They're called Murder Investigation Teams, or MIT. Question number four. How did Sally know that John was in the house? Obviously, this is in reference to them on uh, different shifts. Uh, She said there was nothing in the fridge. (laughs) Question number five. uh, What day did Sally and John say that they often got off? It was a Thursday. It's typical of most places, isn't it? They always give you a crappy day off. Uh, And question number six. uh, Where were they on holiday when they were recalled for a court case? It was the Isle of Wight. There you go. I think that is me on that one. I think that's me done. Not really a lot to say because obviously I haven't got extra details to tell you about the case because this isn't a case. Uh, So next week, as mentioned, we're doing uh, police interviews, which is really fascinating. And then we're going to do the basics of uh, crime scenes. Um, So have yourself a good week, everyone. Stay safe and be good. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, stay out of trouble uh, and etc. Best wishes, everyone. Be good. Bye. <laughs>